Welcome back to another week of Surviving Creativity, the show about becoming your own boss, following your dreams, and hopefully surviving the process. Surviving Creativity is made possible by listeners like you. If you like what you hear, head on over to patreon.com forward slash surviving creativity and please consider becoming a patron. This week, business news about to interwebs. Comicsology is purchased by Amazon and clearly the world is ending. You'll never read another comic again. Or maybe you will. Also, net neutrality. What is it? Why you should be concerned about it? Or why maybe you shouldn't be? Listen, we don't know exactly, but we're going to try and work through it. And you should come along with us while we try and piece it together. It's another episode of Surviving Creativity. Gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Spine Trade Tip. <laughs> There's so, so much happening this week that I am pumped to talk about because it's. Yeah, we've got a lot going on. It's businessy stuff, and that turns my crank. <laughs> turns my crank. Uh, well, you know what? The, well, I know what the big one is. The big one is the thing that everybody's talking about, and that's comicsology. Yeah, man. Comicsology was purchased by Amazon. Oh, that's how it started. Yeah, uh, yeah, and, and and everybody immediately assumed that this was going to be a horrible thing, and especially like I'll tell you what, coming from my perspective, I had been putting out uh, digital comics through Kindle Direct Publishing, and just has I've been getting no play on that whatsoever it's it's been let uh, out of all the different distribution means i i use i'm getting the least uh uh yield out of uh having my stuff on amazon for the kindle and so i've seen amazon come out with kdp and they had a special uh they even had a special digital comics app that they were trying to to plug and I, I immediately, I was just kind of down on all of it from my own personal experience. And I wasn't too excited about seeing Amazon buying Comixology. Oh, really? No, nah, I, was, I was a little bit worried. I was the opposite. I was pumped. Really? Yeah. Yeah, totally pumped. I, I was indifferent. Really? Well, we've got all three perspectives. <laughs> I was pumped. I I think it is a huge move, uh, not just for comicsology, but for comics in general. And uh, and there's, I mean, there's more news that went along with this that I also think is a big deal too that I'm very behind. But it's interesting to me, Brad, that you've been so you've been selling directly through Amazon through the Kindle for a while now, right? For uh, I well, I've stopped. I've stopped because it wasn't even worth the time in the last couple of months. I haven't bothered to upload new issues, but for well over a year, I was putting that monthly comic that I do for Evil Inc. Uh, I put it up on my own site. Uh, it's now a Patreon reward. Uh, I put it out on Drive Through Comics, which is actually the best yield probably out of all of them. 
and uh, Kindle Direct Publishing. And I was making, I, I was getting decent sales, but I, by the, by the time everybody takes their cut on Amazon, I was making pennies upon, and, and this was only a 99 cent offering to begin with. I was making a couple of pennies by the time everything was done. So who, uh, who's taking cuts out of curiosity? Uh, Amazon. Well, th this is strictly Amazon. In other words, there's no Apple store to contend with. Here's the deal. When you uh, put your th stuff out through Kindle Direct Publishing, you've got two options for royalties, 70% and 30%. And you can only get the 70% royalty if, and, I, and, and I, I may have to check myself on this. I'll add it in the notes if I'm wrong. Uh, if you are solely putting this publication out through KDP. OK, then you can get a 70 percent royalty. Uh, if not, you get a 30 percent royalty. So they want some serious exclusivity. Absolutely. This. And uh, and, and there's another thing I'm going to have to check on the fly. But also, if you go over a certain uh, threshold in terms of your file size, they charge you a, uh, a stipend for delivering the files electronic, uh, electronically on top of that. Wow. Who is, who is this? This is Amazon through Kindle Direct Publishing, which I had been using to put my monthly comics out. KDP, yeah. KDP. Oh. So here's, Whoa. Some, here's something to know. I have big middlemen, right? Here's something to note about uh, Amazon as general. And this is why, this is part of why I think this is a good purchase. Amazon has been doing uh, digital publishing, ebook publishing for going on like 20 years. And that's not an exaggeration. And people go, no, that's not possible. So I know, really, their first clunky-ass e-reader and online sales stuff, it was, I mean, it's close to 20 years ago, man. It was near the, the beginning of the interwebs. I'll have to look it up to get an exact date. But this, I think this is, is a perfect example of why a company like Amazon would want to purchase a company like Comixology. So Amazon has this set up, and they're selling it, and clearly – from from you as a publisher's perspective, you're not earning very much on Amazon. It's not. It's just not very profitable for you, partially because nobody is going there to buy their comics. That's not the spot, right? So right. Amazon eventually becomes kind of the number one place for e-books, for actual prose novels. They're still having trouble with comics. I think part of the reason why that happened is because comics don't really work on the Kindle I know they've tried in the past. Uh, I remember when I was at Oni with Scott. On the Pilgrim. Kindle Fire, it does. Well, now, yeah, on the Fire. But b back in the day, when uh, when they uh, before the Fire existed, they were trying to do a push to put black and white comics on the Kindle, and they just looked fucking awful, man. And it was like it looked terrible. It loaded slowly. There's no guided view or anything. You could barely read stuff. Like it was just not good. And they were really pushing. They were going after all these publishers, you know, Oni Top Shelf first second. Anybody had black and white comics, trying mm -hmm. desperately to get comics on the Kindle. I mean, somebody clearly saw the potential of it. Uh the the iPad has always kind of been the place for comics, but now because I think because of color and comicsology. Uh, I think with their guided view, I think a lot of people like that. I don't personally really care for it, but I, you know, I think it makes it easier to read on a digital. I bounce back and forth. A digital screen, so you go back and forth between guided view and not. Yeah, it sucks because so the thing I love about guided view is it lets me easily read a panel, right? Because the 
iPad is great for... The resolution is perfect right when you're zoomed in on a panel. I mean, it's for... And your mileage might vary. I, with my eyesight and the way that I like to read, it's a, the clearest way for me to read text is in guided view. But if I stay in guided view, then I miss out on a ton. They yeah. you they cut. They literally it's like a um, it's like the best analogy I can think of is when you watch a movie that's been edited for TV or is not. Uh, it doesn't matter anymore because everyone has t- the kids. There used to be a time when TVs were square <laughs> and they weren't the same proportion ratio as movies. And so you would get movies that were, uh, what was it called? Le- uh, it was widescreen. Letter- and then there was yeah, letterbox. letterbox. And then if, if well, no, they... what's the other one? It was um, pan, pan, and, pan scan? and scan. Yeah. Yeah. Pan and scan. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Where they would like, like just move the camera back and forth across the screen. That was terrible. Yeah. So I think, uh, with Amazon, you've got a company who's who's at the forefront of digital publishing, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, or at least distribution, depending on how you look at it. They're getting up there in digital publishing as well now. They have a lot of amazing programs for publishers. But they could never get in on this comics niche. And someone might say, well, comics, how much money is there? Okay, so the last time, and I did some number crunching uh, and did some digging before that we recorded this. The last time Comixology reported their gross earnings, it was $19 million dollars. Wow. 19 million. 19 yeah. with a damn million. Yeah. Now, Oof. sure, here, I, bl- I believe that. And here's here's the deal. You go, wow, that's a lot of money. Okay, now take this into consideration. With Apple uh, taking their 30% cut, that's 4 to $8 million, depending on how you cut it. Mm-hmm. Depending on how Ooh. and how you f- figure that out. Now, and, and this is something important to note, too. I think with this acquisition... Uh, everyone's going on about the the whole dropping Apple and and uh, they're forgetting that they dropped Google as well. So this is kind of that hasn't I, been part of the story at all. What, but it was part of the press release, which is funny to me. So here's, mm-hmm. I mean, here's the part of the if you're just catching up, here's the part of the story we're missing. So Amazon buys Comixology about what maybe a week or two after Comixology gets bought. Comixology makes an announcement that they're updating their store. And the update they're making is is making it so that on an iDevice, on any kind of iOS platform, you are no longer able to make a purchase in-app. You have to leave the app, go to the website, go to the Comixology website, and make your purchase there. But on Android architectures, you can still purchase in-app. And in fact, the purchasing experience got better. So everyone views this as just a... Uh, you know, an FU to Apple. And in a way, it kind of is. And it, some people wrote some blog posts about it that were very misinformed, uh, impassioned blog posts, uh, wholly misinformed. And it's I think it's a technological thing. And it's also uh, a press thing. I'm very annoyed at the press right now for not doing their due diligence on this to the point of being pissed off. Because mm-hmm. uh, part of why I left the the marketing field at Oni was because I felt like press was going downhill very quickly. Um, it never started. <laughs> the, the, it I, never started in comics, brother. Don't don't and don't get me started. Right. We'll <laughs> we'll save that for another for another podcast. But uh, I think Comicsology was very clear in their press release that they are leaving both the the Apple App Store, the Apple iOS App Store, and Google Play. So. It's not that they're giving 30% to Amazon. And remember, Amazon and Google are different. 
Uh, originally, what Comixology had running was you had this app, this Comixology app, and within the app, you could make a purchase. And when you made that purchase, the the gateway that was fulfilling that purchase, the, the thing that was making that purchase safe was the App Store in Apple and the Google Play Store, Google Wallet, usually, in mm-hmm. in the Android architecture. Uh, I think the reason they were doing this is because they're a small-ish company. I mean, 19 million gross sounds big, but there's a lot to be considered when you're talking about a, a you know a purchasing gateway like that. You essentially need a middleman to manage that thing. I mean, even us. Like, if we're going to sell DRM-free comics directly, we're probably going to use Gumroad or right. you know we're not, we're not going to do it ourselves. Maybe PayPal directly. Maybe. You know, maybe Amazon, maybe whatever. We're, but we're not going to be the ones to maintain it. We're not going to be the ones responsible if a credit card gets stolen. We're not going to be the ones. It's just too risky. Well, well yeah. It, it, I, and, and in a certain event, there, there wouldn't be any way to do it without a middleman. I mean, you need merchant services at some point as right. soon as you're doing a credit card payment. Yeah, absolutely. You need customer service. You need uh, identity protection. You need mm-hmm. uh, you need uh, encryption. You need all kinds of crap that, that a company the size of Comixology could not have. So their solution was to use Apple's App Store and to use Google Play. Once they were purchased by Amazon... Amazon happens to have their own oh, purchasing gateway. <laughs> right, right. And, because and, and as anyone who's familiar with uh, having done a Kickstarter, because you've got to enroll for Amazon Payments, right? Yeah, that's right. Amazon Payments, Amazon Marketplace. But they wait can, a minute. They wait a minute. That. I mean, obviously, no, no, Anima, sorry, Amazon I... can handle transactions. Right. Clearly. They're Amazon. Right. So, right. so now people are going, well, they're just doing this despite Apple, blah, 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 blah. It's like, no, actually... They're getting rid of the Google Play Store as well. The The major difference is in Apple's architecture, you cannot have a payment gateway that is not Apple, period. So that's that's the big difference and what took me a long time to understand because I've never used an Android phone, although that will soon change. <laughs> um, on Apple devices, unless you jailbreak your phone, which I think might void the warranty. It does, yes. anymore. Unless you jailbreak your phone, there's only one place to get apps for your phone, and that's through the App Store. And there's on only one. Android, there's only one place to make purchasing as well, and that's through the App Store. So any in app store, any in app purchase happening on your phone is subject to a thirty percent fee from Apple because Apple so will not let anyone if, else do processing. Right. If you want to legitimately develop an iOS app, you have to sell it through Apple. On other platforms, mostly Android, because that's no, no one gives a shit about BlackBerry, I don't think anymore. But mm. on an Android architecture, you could make an app and just sell it on your website, and someone could install it straight from your website. Correct. If you want to deal with all of it, or you can use uh, Android's or Google's um, app store called Google Play, right. and then they have their restrictions and their percentage cuts but you also an android have the, phone, the amazon app store on android devices right and am well that's the other thing is android devices let you build your own store so amazon has their yeah. own app store so amazon or android allows you to build your own payment gateways and that's exactly what comicsology did by being purchased by amazon amazon's like hey we happen to have a very large <laughs> and functional <laughs> payment gateway. We've been doing this ebook thing for a while now. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And the one thing we have not been able to crack in the ebook thing is the comic market. 
partially it's a hardware issue. We didn't have a nice thing that showed full color comics, but now we do. It's called the Kindle Fire. Happens to be the fastest, one of the fastest growing e-readers out there. So mm-hmm. it's it's a perfectly reasonable purchase. In terms of the percentage cut, and I think this is where people are getting very confused. I read some just amazing posts this week by creators who were confused at best and and were lacking the full information, I think, to make the post they made. The, this is not we're trading Apple's 30% for Amazon's 30%. We're not trading Apple's 30% for Google's 30%. That, that 30% goes away. It is no longer there. Nobody's mm-hmm. taking that 30% anymore. Uh, our, uh, we, we happen to know a lot of people in the industry. We made some phone calls. Um, obviously we can't say anybody's name or anything. All of these publisher contracts are, are, uh, you know, individual to the publishers and that kind of thing. And all of our people in the tech industry, uh, you know, we happen to know a lot of people. So we, we made calls. We it, was asked them, it, it was Stanley. It was Stanley. It was Stan. So we made some calls. Greetings, and we asked believer. Her. <laughs> Excelsior. I heard you had some questions. Uh, hey, <laughs> I heard that you have a question about this, these goddamn iPads. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> I like that self-satisfied chuckle after that. <laughs> I like making it. So the way these contracts work from pretty much everyone we talked to was you had some kind of percentage split and the payment was based on uh, gross if it was purchased through comicsology.com and net if it was purchased anywhere else. And the reason why is because if it was purchased anywhere else, the, the purchase was subject to a 30% fee, either from Apple or from Google, because they were, those were the payment gateways they're using. Now that they've gotten rid of all that, that 30% fee is gone. All creators will make, they will make whatever their percentage is on gross without any fee being there. Anyone who says anything different is wrong. And so I, in other we, words, we what's have the this translation un- of that. Does that mean that creators are going to make more for their uh, Comixology uh, revenue as a result? Correct. Yes. All creators so will, com- so will Comixology. make more money. Anyone who is saying differently, please, please, we have this on good authority. You are <laughs> wrong. You are wrong, wrong, wrong. All creators will make more money. Period. There's well, no, there's no. Ostensibly. Why? Why? And that's why I'm meh about the whole thing. Well, why do you say ostensibly? Uh, Because you have to sell a fucking comic to make money. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So this brings up the other part of the argument with the whole impulse buy thing. Well, yeah, because now I'm not a huge uh, comicsology reader, uh, but I was reading Scott. I was reading your 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 Twitter on this, and and it really sounded like this whole thing adds an awful lot of extra steps to that that buying situation, and you were arguing that it took away a lot of the impulse buy. Uh, Well, I... I, um, Yes and no. Mm -hmm. I think that the steps they listed was um, basically a one-time deal as they transition. Because the way that the... Because you have... uh, You're switching apps. They weren't able to just update the app. You have to download a whole new app, and that app's going to be empty. None of your comics are going to be on it. Uh, but if you would like it to be, if you would like your whole library to be there, you then have to log into Comixology via a web browser, whether it's on your tablet or on the computer. Uh, basically sign in, 
and then sync everything to the new app. Um, and that's a one-time deal. That's not a every time you buy a comic. Mm-hmm. Uh, I am used to the process because I tend to use Amazon services on my iOS device, uh, namely the Kindle app and Amazon Prime Instant Streaming, which is essentially Amazon's Netflix. So as an Amazon Prime member, I have access to a lot of free video. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And there's an app for my iPad that lets me watch it. Um, so if I would like to um, take advantage of any of the free videos that are available to me on Amazon Prime, I can go to the app and it streams it. And just like Netflix, it rotates what's available. Right. Um, uh, for example, the new show, The Dome. I wanted to try it out. It was available on Amazon Streaming. It wasn't available on Netflix. I downloaded the app. Now, that being said, there was one day that I wanted to watch Superman Returns. And it was cheaper on Amazon than it was on iTunes. I don't know why. Maybe they're having a sale. Uh, I cannot purchase that movie from inside Amazon's app. I can't be inside of their app and see that Superman Returns is a movie available on Amazon Instant Streaming. Really? And rent it. No. no this is a limitation to Apple. This is, this is Apple I saying have you have to, to give us 30% and well, Amazon, hold on a second. And Amazon I, saying no. <laughs> I have to go to my browser, log into Amazon, rent Superman Returns, then go back into the Amazon app, and now it shows up. Hmm. And the reason why is the Am- Apple is saying, and I think fairly, hey, a lot of people are using our our system, and a lot of people are using our app store because they have no other choice, which means we got a lot of people coming through here, and if you're going to sell something on this amazing platform that we have, then we get a cut. And Amazon says, I don't want to give you a cut. Right. I don't want to give you 30% of this Superman Returns rental. And Apple says, well, then you can't sell it through an app and Amazon says, fine, we mm. don't need to sell through the app. Right. We'll, so we'll handle this on our own. Right. When it comes to anything that's owned by Amazon, a book through Kindle, uh, a, a movie from instant streaming, <laughs> P.S., if you've ever had a problem, if you've ever felt the frustration of purchasing an, uh, <laughs> an audio book through Audible... And having a hard fucking time getting it on your iPhone, this is why. <laughs> because Amazon owns Audible. Right. So, uh, uh, anyway, it's a closed ecosystem that Apple has, and they're going to take their cut. Sure. So Amazon says, hey, when it comes to our apps, sorry, you got to take an extra step. And guess what? No one gives a shit with the Amazon streaming, and no one gives a shit with the Kindle. You jump out, you get your shit, you sync it. Most people that have a Kindle, they have already downloaded the phone to their Kindle, and when they log on to their iPad, it, it syncs it to the cloud anyway. Mm-hmm. So um, where Jerry Conway, who is the creator of The Punisher, and I think he also is the one that killed off Gwen Stacy. Uh, he, um, I read that in his uh, intro. Yeah. That, that is correct. Those, that's his claim to fame. But he's a comic book artist and writer. His problem is that he feels that most of the purchases made in Comixology, most of the reason why people are buying comics and contributing to this millions of $19 million thing, is that 
there's an impulse buy. And mm-hmm. believe me, I've done it myself. So Invincible is a comic I really enjoy. I think to myself, uh, I'm at the airport, I'm waiting for a flight, or I'm online, and, or I'm on, up in the air and I have the Wi-Fi and I'm bored. You know, I, I do a lot of comic digital comic book reading on the plane because I'm stuck. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure people do it on the bus and on commutes and stuff. So you say, oh, let me read the latest issue of Invincible. So you go, where was I last? Okay, issue 102. So you purchase it, $3.99. Three ninety nine. Okay, mm-hmm. same price as if you went to the comic book shop and mm-hmm. bought it. Uh, you read it. Takes you about what 10, 15 minutes to read a comic. Usually, there's a cliffhanger, and then the get to the last page. And when you click next, when there's no more pages, kind of moves over to the left, and it says, "Hey, <laughs> issue one hundred three. <laughs> you want to read it? You know." And all you have to do is click a button, and it. You spent another four bucks. Right. And you could end up doing, you can end up spending 12 bucks on a bus commute. Mm-hmm. You end up spending 20 bucks on a flight. <laughs> uh, so, what Jerry's fear is that, um, and he's assuming motivation, but his fear is that Amazon's uh, refusal to pay Apple's fee is going to ultimately hurt creators because sales are going to drop and plummet. Because there is no more impulse buying. Uh, but the question on that is, of course, what's the data on yeah, how many, impulse buying? How many buying? impulse buys are we talking about? And how, how the hell would you even know that? Uh, you, you wouldn't. It's, it's one of those things that is not really calculable. And anybody that says they've calculated it, I mean, they're doing it based on survey and most people, when they, most could, people, when they make an impulse buy, are not going to admit to have made, made an impulse buy, quite frankly, because mm-hmm. there's a certain level of buyer's guilt attached to it. So it's one of those, <laughs> it's one of those surveys that marketeers have never really been able to crack. I mean, even the people that when we were calling around that we talked to, when we brought it up, you know, well, how many, how many impulse buys? Like, I don't know. You know what I mean? There's no, right. like, there's not a way to figure that out. It's, it's just, I mean, I guess what you could do is you could look and see how many purchases are made from the end of the book, right? How many are, I went into the app and bought a book, and how many are, I bought this at the end of reading one. But, but that's not I'm necessarily sure that they, an impulse buy. It's not, no. So, but honestly, again, I, I think that Amazon is is happy to make this calculated guess, but... um. The interesting thing and the missing piece of the puzzle for me was that this isn't just an iOS thing. This is an across-the-board thing. Um, it's just that as an iPhone user who's not really aware of Android architecture or the Android experience, um, this, is an, this is an Amazon thing. Mm-hmm. And um, ultimately, it means that the creator and, the, and, and Comixology themselves are all going to make more money yeah. because... You're cutting out. You're, it's it's not adding a new because everyone's like, oh great, Amazon's involved now. A fourth middleman. It's actually a le- one less middleman, right? <laughs> you know. And the reason why is because Amazon can do this already. You're you're actually right. removing a middleman, and that's kind of where a lot of the misinformation was going around this week. And that's that really got my ire, man. It's like this is not hard to figure out. It took what did it take you and I, Scott, two phone calls? Yeah, maybe. I mean, like. It took and and then upon reading the press release, it's like the information's all there. 
It's there. It's all there. It didn't take much yeah. to put two and two together on this. Now, you know, as to the people's comments about, well, this is a hardware war, and this is this, and this is that, and it's like, all right, look, at the end of the day, if you're Amazon, and you have a payment gateway, and it's giant, and it's functional, and it works perfectly, why would you use somebody else's and pay them 30%? Yeah. Why that, would you? That, that, that is kind of a no-brainer, If right? you're Amazon, why would you pay Apple $4 million a year to handle payments that you can handle yourself. By the way, that four million bucks, if it's, you know, if 30% of it, if you're talking about 30% of net and half of that, if say you have a 50-50 split with them on Comixology, half of that is a creator's. That's $2 million out of creator pockets, by the way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Two million. Well, again, ostensibly. Yeah, right. right. I mean, It's what? $2 million out of publisher pockets. Publisher pockets, yes. right. It and then- <laughs> The other part of this whole Comixology thing is that it signifies... Uh, and the, and this might not be a tangent we want to get into this week, but it signifies a, a further swinging of the pendulum away from independent creators and towards uh, publishers. I mean, and, and the whole... Uh, oh, wow. Yeah, I see it as the it's opposite. It's almost impossible to... Com- I, I know because I was part of Comixology Submit. It's really tough to compete on Comixology because most of the people who are going to Comixology want to buy Spider-Man and Batman, and they're not looking at the indies so much. Um, I don't know that that's... God, see, I see it as the opposite. I don't know that I agree with you, Brad. I gotta my, be honest my, with well, you, Well, and, and it might just be that nobody wants to read my stuff either. <laughs> <laughs> my oh personal my God. experience has been that I just did not get any play over there. Well, it could be... I mean, you, you've cast a really wide net. You've made your stuff available digitally a lot of places. So it could be that your purchases are coming from elsewhere. I mean, it's it that's that's a hard assumption to make, but... I would argue the opposite of that in that now that there is now that that uh, you're going to make more now that Amazon owns this. And I think we really have to take into consideration that this is this is Amazon we're talking about. This is a gigantic company and Mm -hmm. they're not done doing whatever they're going to do with Comixology. I guarantee you they're going to start doing more with Comixology as a platform. You don't have you don't have a a device. You don't have a, a piece of software that makes. 19 million in its second year out the gate, uh, you know, gross. And a company like Amazon takes it and does not turn that 19 million into a 50 or a hundred million within mm-hmm. a year. They're going mm-hmm. to do it. So I would argue that, that creators, uh, an independent creator using submit, uh, which is a 50, 50 split. And now it's a pure 50 split. So on a three ninety nine comic, you're making a buck 99 instead of a buck 30. You're going to get more sales because Amazon, who is a, big company is going to push it and they're going to get it out there and they're going to get it more eyes. And are there a couple more steps? Yeah, there's a couple more steps, but only for iOS devices. And we live in America, so iOS devices like, oh, that's everybody. But if you look at the world, there's more Android-based devices and uh, Android is taking a chunk out of out of the iOS marketplace. The, the Galaxy S5 is an Android-based phone uh, by Samsung, and it came out and it crushed the iPhone 5e. Mm-hmm. So you have to take these things into consideration. I will say this. I'm looking for... One thing that I am kind of optimistic, and I may start putting my stuff up on Comixology again uh, for this very reason, is that... And it just struck me when you said it, is that part of the reason that it was a little bit tough for me was I was doing a monthly comic that had to be approved by Apple. Right. It, it, by the time they approved it, I was already on to the next month's comic. 
it would take that long for me to get approval. And I was always selling old stuff. And if they're take if they're taking that part of the process away, if they're if, if and and if they're going to make it more like KDP, which was often up in 24 hours of when I posted it, uh, I could see that being a huge difference in and of itself. I think that's exactly what's going to happen. I'd yeah, be I thrilled. Think I th- I'd be thrilled to see are... the interface be more like KDP's. I, I I had no problems with that, and submit kind. Of, I found myself uh, uh, struggling. I mean, I personally feel like if we sit down and we look at pros and cons, uh, the pros are we're thirty percent more in the pockets of creators on any de- on any device. You cannot say this is just an Apple thing. This isn't anybody thing. No, no more very stringent uh, Apple-based what can and cannot go on the thing. That's also true. They can't, they can't say anymore. You're not going to have Saga banned because there was gay sex in it. Nope, not going to happen. You know that that kind of stuff is going to go away. Um, the the downsides are Apple's going to make it as difficult as possible <laughs> to get from inside the app to the website to make a purchase. Uh, and this is another thing we were asking some of our tech friends about is like, well, if some, what if somebody's in the app? Can't you just do a thing where it like you, you say, oh, I want to read the next issue of you, you're saying Invincible, right, Scott? You get to the end and it says, hey, do you yeah, want to read Yeah, we're like, this? why don't you just click the button and it takes you to the, to the, bot, to the, to the right. page on Comixology where you buy that issue. So, and, yeah, and it opens up Comixology. It even puts it in your cart for you and you just hit buy. And then when you hit buy, it sends you back to the app. And the response was, Apple won't let you do that. Yeah, Apple, Apple won't let you do that. Wow. So all the people that are saying this is a hardware war, yes. And the affronter here is Apple. <laughs> <laughs> and it, and it, the, I mean, that's what I always, when we talk tech stuff, I always say to people, like, you have to remember, and I don't say this in a bad way, you have to remember, Apple is a hardware company. Apple yes. is not a software company. They give away iOS. They give away GarageBand. Uh, the software stuff that they make, they give away. At the end of the day, they're a hardware company. Android, true. Android-based stuff is not, uh, you know, there there's hardware using Android, but Android is a software. It's like the people making that are software-based. And it's something to put into consideration, which is why the people making that don't give a shit if you use some outside uh, platform for making your sale. It's kind of weird being a Mac user these days, uh, especially for somebody like me. I spent so long identifying as the underdog. It's so hard to think as Apple being the 400-pound <laughs> gorilla for so you know what I mean. They was, are right for so long. We were so well, proud yeah, when it comes to, to the, the phone, underdogs. absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's interesting, right? So okay, take that. And, and, and okay, it take, I'm a little bit assuaged. I, I still think the pendulum is swinging back towards the pub, publishers uh, a little bit. Now take that news and pair it with the other big news this week of the the imminent demise of net neutrality. And it throws people like me into an absolute tizzy. It's the end of the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, uh, I think mm-hmm. io9.com had a, an interesting piece that I read that said the internet is about to become like uh, broadcast television or, or even cable television. And it's the end of the world as we know it. And what does this mean for creatives like us three? Mm. What, do you think? <laughs> what, do you, what do you think, Scott? I am... Uh... I am afraid to talk about it. Really? <laughs> like, like, uh, seriously? 
Um, I on the reason why I'm afraid to talk about it is because I think that, um, so you know how like if you were when we were discussing on the show we were discussing um, libel, mm-hmm. and I would say I'm no lawyer, right? But I think this. Well, the reason why you say that is because you didn't go to law school. You don't know the law, so it would be crazy for you to say something as if you were a lawyer. But certainly, but when it comes to any other subject, people will say whatever they want as if they're an expert. Like, well, this is the death of net neutrality. Right? They don't go, well, I'm no lawyer, but this is the this is the death of net neutrality, Mm or I'm no, I don't understand the the complexities of business, but I'm. Uh, I'm uh, net neutrality is fucked, and we're all dead, and we're all gonna die. Well, yeah, you see a lot of chain effect uh, thinking in these pieces. In other words, that this is gonna happen, and then when this happens, that'll mean that'll happen, and that'll right. mean that'll happen, and before you know, so... you're in a dystopia a future. Right. So, like, I don't. What I'm trying to say, let me, the the fucking metaphor I'm gonna use right here is dumb. But when I watch an episode of Castle, okay. <laughs> I don't know who the murderer is, but I know it's not the day player. (laughs) So if you have, okay, you have an episode of Castle, and they, you know, it's a procedural, so they give you a ton of options. It could be the producer, it could be the star-crossed lovers, it could be the jilted mistress, it could be the wife, it could be the brother-in-law, right? And then you go... Okay, well, uh, the the mistress is a day player, and the brother-in-law is C. Thomas Howell, and he wasn't coming in, you know, to not be the murderer, <laughs> right? Not if his agent is is worth a worth a damn. It's, it's right. not that way. Yeah. So the the character actor and C. Thomas Howell are possibly both the murderer. <laughs> But it's not the fucking day player. So um, why net neutrality doesn't scare me uh, is for a couple – or why I'm not – it's not that it doesn't scare me. The reason why I'm not up in arms about it or making blog posts about it or telling everyone to fight it is threefold. One, um, we have no control over it. Yes, that's true. It's And listen, I understand – Write your congressman, vote, do whatever you want, you know, get the word out, speak out against it. Yes, I'm all for that. But um, that's not what stopped it last time, and it's not what will stop well, it this time. Yeah. And, and, and also, that's like saying, um, you know, I've got a, my, there's a pipe burst in my house, so I'm going to vote in congressmen that, do, that are going to help me get better prices on plumbing. You know, yeah, that's going to help down the road, and we should well, definitely do that. Not only that, but Scott, we voted in a guy that part of his platform was that he was going to protect net neutrality, and he's the guy that's in office right now. He, right, so... And, and he's, uh, he that was part of his platform. We did the voting thing. It was supposed to work, <laughs> and it, it looks like it's not. Well, it... Uh, well, hold on a second. I'm no lawyer, but it still <laughs> might be working fine. Um, again, I don't understand it, and I have not done enough research, but... The same way I kind of suspect it's the not the day player, okay? Uh-huh. When I watch an episode of Castle, it just seems odd to me that the FCC 
is like, maybe we'll do, then we'll get rid of net neutrality. Right as there's some kind of Netflix Comcast deal happening. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, well, and, 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 there's and a lot going on. Over and over in these pieces is that the FCC chairman is a former lobbyist for the cable companies, right? Yeah, I just, it's, look, Obama, we voted in Obama, we voted in congressmen. The lob- what's going to happen is going to happen, okay? But here's what's not going to happen, okay? What's not going to happen is that you as a webcomic person are going to say, well, I'd love to make a webcomic, but no one can read my strip anymore because I'm not on the, I'm not on the fast internet. Right. That's I, like saying... I'm so glad to hear you say this because it's, it's been on my mind too. That's like saying... Um, like the 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 playing field that they're talking about right now doesn't affect us. Right. It's still an even playing field for us. In so, fact, I've been noodling it through my brain. I was thinking about this as a piece for webcomics.com that actually all this dystopian future thing is actually good news for people like web cartoonists because our stuff loads cheap and quick and it doesn't require a lot of bandwidth. It's not even that. Okay, it's not even that. So, this <laughs> well, this I won't is write some, that post. This is something that I need to do more research on another reason why i don't want to talk about it because i'm spectacularly uninformed right i'm spectacularly uninformed Mm -hmm. on this but here's the thing um i know that everyone thinks that all corporations are evil and it's kind of hard not to feel that way about companies like comcast and the big telecom companies because they tend to do some pretty uh you know shady stuff but i suspect that the truth of the matter is that mm. um, when you are – okay, so the internet is a level playing field and no bandwidth is restricted and everyone can do whatever they want. Great. So for the most part, who gives a shit? And um, But if you're Comcast and you have an, a level playing field and you know Johnny Appleseed wants to start a flower business or that's very different than – Blizzard wants to launch a brand new game and they want uh they want they're just gonna stream this peer-to-peer thing. And that's very different than BitTorrent, and that's very different from Netflix mm-hmm. becoming the most popular streaming service on the internet, and now two-thirds of your bandwidth at this at this telecom is used up because people are watching Netflix movies. Right. So um I think that this is it feels to me this is more about these big companies fighting right like look at comcast right well how do they make their money they make money selling you hbo well so they're kind of pissed off that people don't give a shit about buying hbo anymore right because netflix just lets them watch any movie that all the shitty movies that they didn't want to watch anyway today but nothing's on yeah and it's 10 bucks a month instead of 40 bucks a month just for the hbo that you had to buy with another pack you know and uh and they're getting to do it on the cheap because it's a it's a level playing field yeah so what these telecoms are saying and what these people in Congress and wherever, I don't know. I'm so spectacularly uninformed. I don't even know where it's, the argument's <laughs> taking place. But where the, the people in power are saying is that, um, hey, so we provide this service where we, we essentially provide the Internet, and half of our bandwidth is being taken up by, like, these four companies. 
that's, and they're making you know a what? shit that's ton the of money. Best argument. Uh, I, I, that's something I absolutely positively have never thought of before. So they're taking up a shit ton of bandwidth, yeah. and they're making a shit ton of money, and we would like to charge them. Now, the part where the argument breaks down, and all, if it was another country, I'd feel better about it. But if the government went, yeah, no, um, Netflix and Google and all these big players who want to just kind of take advantage of net neutrality to get all this fucking cheap bandwidth, essentially, uh-huh. um, yeah, they need to pay some money. And then guess what? We'll build that into infrastructure and we'll make the Internet better in America. Yes. That would be wonderful. Yes. And I, I think that might be proposed, but who knows if that would ever fucking happen. Oh. But what I'm saying is that let's say that this passes and everyone goes, well, fucking neutrality's dead. Great. Okay. <laughs> why? Well, because the te- the telecom can now say um, – uh, now they can say, well, if you're Netflix, you have to pay for the f- – you have to pay for the fast internet if you want to get Netflix because, you know – uh, because because they claim that Netflix is clogging all their bandwidth, and this will this will counteract that. Okay, what's the problem with that? You, your internet bill won't change that much, and you, nothing will change. Yeah, but who's to say they won't then say your web comic? You, <laughs> because they're not. Because who gives a fuck? Because right. I'm a web comic. Right. Well, you're going to be on the slower internet. Yeah, I will be on the slower internet, and it will affect nothing nowhere. It's not, it's not, like, no one gives a shit enough about your dumb webcomic about the mean streets of Spokane <laughs> that they're going to punish you by putting you on the slow internet, and, and then no one's going to read your comic. Yeah, no, no one no gives a shit. No matter how gritty it is. Yeah, I don't, I don't know that it's ever going to get to, to that. Yeah. Well, I, that's that's the fear, though. That is the fear, but right. then again, that's the fear, right? Like right. I'm sure. not. It's it's one of those scenarios. Okay, it's it's like this, uh, and, and this is kind of how it's all broken down this week. So first, net neutrality. Net neutrality is this idea that the internet is a level playing field. The biggest concern with net neutrality is not that they'll speed somebody up, but but that they'll slow somebody down. Right. And and not that they'll slow down you know, your webcomic, but that they'll slow down Netflix until <laughs> Netflix pays money. Because the way the way the Internet's broken up is you've got content providers, uh, ISP, Internet service providers, and then consumers. So you have the, this ISP, this middleman between the content providers and the consumer. And the fear is, and they tried to do it once already, so it's a very real fear. The fear is that the Internet service provider is going to go to the content provider and say, hey, you have a lot of customers, and man, it makes it so hard for our internet. Uh, so we just slowed you down. <laughs> but if you pay us some money, uh, does this sound like extortion to anyone else? Uh, yeah, right. It does to me. So, so that's the actual fear. Now, what's happening now? That's got it now. And they tried to push something like that through, and the the federal court struck it down. This was like in 2010. They tried to push something like that through, and the courts went. No, this is, this is extortion. <laughs> this is ridiculous. Okay, so what what is happening now is the the FCC chair, uh, his name is Tom Wheeler. He proposed some some new uh, rules uh, that I believe he calls the Open Internet proposal. Mm-hmm. Um, and 
he caught a lot of flack for it. But I, I think, again, this is a scenario in which it's kind of misunderstood. Even I don't fully understand everything that's in this thing because it's a lot of, you know, congressional speak and lawyer speak and legal speak. And not a lot of it makes a lot of sense. But the the critics and the fear of the critics is like, look, this is not a good idea. And mm-hmm. and part of the reason why is because the um, the the new rules he proposed basically say that, like, yeah, there is a company. There are companies like Netflix, and there are companies like Skype, and there are companies like Blizzard that eat up a ton of bandwidth. And we really need a, to to create what he's calling like a fast lane uh, to get this content from the provider, from the content provider, or from the content creators through the service provider to the consumer more quickly and out of the way of the rest of the internet. Right. The problem is he used the. I think this is a marketing problem. He used the term fast lane, which immediately <laughs> makes you go slow lane. Ah! Right. If there's a fast lane, there right. must be a slow lane. Right. So uh, w- w- what he wants is for the ISPs to operate in a manner to more effectively take advantage of the internet. Of course, the fear is that then people will start making these deals, and you know his his counter in in his new rules is that like every deal is basically subject to the courts to someone looking at it and going essentially going is this extortion you know yeah, or it is right so you know and it, the fear is that it'll make it more efficient but it'll make it less competitive because the way it worked in the 90s right right is you had your house and then you pay to connect to a like a residential isp and then they pay, your ISP pays, to connect to a big giant thing that's a backbone, mm. right? Right. And then oh, over in the world, there's Yahoo, right? Yahoo pays to connect to some other backbone. Now, the two backbones, the two big internet backbones, they don't pay each other because it's equal and they're exchanging traffic. So it's, you know, the, the money went to the backbones. The problem now is that, let's say Verizon your local ISP is not a residential ISP anymore. They fucking bought the backbone. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. So you're paying to the backbone and then Netflix, they just made a deal with Comcast. Now they're a fucking backbone. (laughs) So now you have this, what used to be the big backbone. Now the, now they're in the middle going, if I want to get shit to the, like it's complete extortion. There's nowhere else to go. Right. But I don't know that that. But that's kind of already happening. I mean, I live in Portland, no, Oregon, and I have yeah. I have one ISP provider, one, right. And it's it's not because there aren't other companies here. It's because there you know, nobody's laid the lines yet to my area. People, you know, ISPs have not expanded to this. Uh, I personally, I think that the um, you know the open internet rules he's proposing are are not good, um, mostly because it doesn't go far enough to define some of this stuff. Like I've worked at big corporate. I know how crafty these guys can get. And, you know, if there's rules, there's going to be a way to find ways around those rules. And if there's not some watchdog watching the people following those rules 24 seven, at the end of the day, corporations primary goal is to make money period that they're there to make money. And that's the fear of these things. So my, the irritation for me is that, because we, we, you know, we use the internet, we persist in the internet. Everyone's immediately going to backlash against this shit without having any information about yeah. what it is or what it does. Uh, I, I think that what 
Wheeler's trying to propose, if you if you were looking at it uh, um, without actually being part of it, makes sense. You know, like if you just explained to somebody the internet and you didn't have any stake in it and you weren't a company, you weren't trying to make money and you said, look, here's the internet, here's these guys and they take up this huge chunk of it and that kind of slows down all these other guys and there's only so much bandwidth to go around and yet we're, you know, because there is only so much bandwidth to go around and yet companies are taking up, content creators are taking up more and more and more and more of this bandwidth, partially because there's so many more of us now. There's almost an arms race of content creation happening and partly because the ones that are successful are getting bigger and bigger, right? Mm -hmm. So it makes perfect sense if you look at it without thinking about making money where you go, well, these big guys need to get the hell out of the way for the sake of the little guys. Like we need to set them aside somewhere so that they're not destroying the internet for everyone else. And Netflix I, is 30% of all traffic on the internet. Yeah. Wow. And they just struck a deal with... Comcast. Com Comcast. And, but the deal is, nobody knows what the deal is. All we know is that they did some deal together and that... They did a deal to have unfettered access to their backbone. Right. I mean, but that there's not really defined... But no one really knows what it means. ...what that is. They don't really know what that means. And and I, I think what's going to happen is, uh, I don't think this, this open internet rule thing is going to go through. I think it's a little... it's. It may do a few more rounds. Yeah, I mean, officially the deal is about interconnection and not traffic discrimination, but it's almost impossible to see a difference. And that's what the critics say. And I actually, yeah. I think in this case, the critics are right. I think what Wheeler's trying to do is is good, but it's not well-defined enough. And, and the critics are correct that, look, you can't, you can't say that doing deals isn't discrimination. But, you know, I don't know. I think, I kind of think both sides are wrong. <laughs> In this particular <laughs> scenario, Wheeler Wheeler doesn't have enough definition, and the critics are just being critical because they believe in this amazing utopia where everybody dances in circles and throws flowers at one another. And frankly, that's not the fucking world we live in. So, and 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 to be fair, never was. Right. Yeah. yeah. And I, I'm I'm all for net neutrality. I think that that we should have this, but there also has to come a point where we figure out a way to make to to make the uh, the internet work better. Uh, and in a way, and hear me out because this is crazy and I know all you net neutrality people are going to get up in my shit and I'm going to have a Twitter feed full of it tomorrow. <laughs> Something like this happening, let's say the first thing that they tried to push through in 2010 or whatever went through, the FCC internet government's policy thing. Let's say that went through. I actually think that might have been a good thing. Hear me out. Really? Hear me out before okay. everybody freaks out. Hear me out. All right. So then we would have had uh, an internet in which ISP providers were, were uh, uh, discriminating against people. So say you ran, I mean, I'll just use an extreme case scenario. Say you ran a porn site mm -hmm. and an ISP had, a, and they're a corporation and they have a morality clause and a lot of corporations have this. It's very, very common. In fact, most corporations have this because they want to avoid PR problems. So they've got this morality clause and they say, well, no porn on our internet. And they essentially just shut down yeah. that site to keep it from running, right? Mm -hmm. If that happened and that would be the case of it, somebody would come along and change it. And, and I mean a new ISP would come along. And it's already mm -hmm. happening. I mean, there are already new ISPs popping up all over the place. I think the reason why it's not happening more right now is because 
the the consumer dollar isn't speaking. It's too easy right now. Did you just call and you get you get cable and the internet comes to your house and then you plug your computer in and ta-da, it works. You don't have to think about that shit, right? Mm-hmm. Like ask most people who their ISP is and they won't be able to tell you. Yeah. And I mean most people that again, this doesn't count us. Probably most people listening to this podcast go, I know exactly who my ISP is. You're crazy. But take a poll of the 360 million people in America and most of them don't don't even know what they an, do. I think they don't the even know what an ISP they do, is. They do now is they don't think about ISP. It's right. because they have Comcast and Comcast gives them phone and internet and everything. Sure. Now, like my, my dad keeps talking about U-verse. ATT U-verse is so shitty. It's my U-verse. I got to reset the U-verse. <laughs> it's because AT&T gives them everything. It gives them a phone. It gives them the sure. internet. It gives them everything. My argument is that if, uh, and and not just if, because let's be frank, when, because our, our government is, is in of itself kind of a corporation. And at some point, you know, there's going to be some kind of rules set for the internet. And net, the pure net neutrality is going to go away because we no longer, we, we, neither live in a utopian or dystopian society. Neither one is going to happen. We're always going to play the middle. So at some point, some kind of rules are going to go through. When that happens, new ISPs are going to pop up, a lot of them. Yeah. And you're going to have options. And the consumer is going to speak, and somebody is going to come out who is going to be the preferred ISP for people who do not want throttled internet, period. I think that's true, because what's happened now is it's just like with newspapers, right? Where it used to be like two newspaper towns, and now there's one newspaper, and the company that owns it owns the newspaper in 20 other states as well. Yeah. So what's happening is it used to be, if you had something like Yahoo, and Yahoo wanted to get to you, the customer, it would connect to a backbone provider. That backbone provider would probably peer with some other ones, and then that would go to a local ISP and come to you. Okay. Well, Verizon bought your MCI and all these other local ISPs. So Verizon is now both the residential ISP and the backbone, or Comcast, right? Comcast is now your residential ISP and a fucking backbone. And so now, it's because the way it used to be is, let's say, um, uh, <laughs> let's say Yahoo wanted to get to you and backbone provider A was charging too much. Well, they just go to backbone provider B. Right. And that's how it used to be. But now you've got one choice. If you want to get to the house, you've got to go through them and they can charge whatever they want. It's extortion. Yeah. That's the fear. But what's going to happen is what's going to stop someone from saying, well, let's make local ISP again, and then you just go through them. No, but no. they still have to go through the same backbone. Why? Do you, I mean, do you think that's true? You don't think I, that a new don't company— Don't they? The, the way that the system works is that you got to connect to a backbone at some point. Yeah, my but- house is going to connect. It's my house is like okay. The first the first time I was on the internet, I wasn't with Comcast. I was with some local place in Dallas. Mm-hmm. Sure, right. And then they can, but they didn't. Then it didn't go f- my house to them to Yahoo. <laughs> it <laughs> went from my house to them to some local backbone to maybe another local backbone that's connected to Yahoo. Right. I mean, here's here's my thing, and and that may be true back then, and it may even be true now if you have smaller ISPs pop up, but I think, uh, and I'll just use Google Fiber as an example. I guarantee you Google's not connecting to a Comcast backbone. They just Maybe built, not. They just built their own. Mm-hmm. Right? I it could be wrong. That's true. But like, what I'm suggesting is that new companies are going to pop up, and they're going to do it from scratch, because fuck these other companies. It's it's It goes back to this this whole 
you know, uh, Comixology, Amazon, Apple, Google thing. Amazon says, I don't need Apple and Google. I don't need your payment gateway backbone. I have my own payment gateway backbone. Google's doing the same thing. I don't need, I don't need your server farm. I have my own. I have, I built my own thing. And I think it'll happen locally. But, then, but in order, but the thing is like, you're saying Google as if they're a mom and pop ISP from the 90s. Right. <laughs> right. They're Google. So now they're in a position to say. Sure. Uh, but again, for every, uh, for every thing if there's enough consumer outpouring there is an alternative so if comcast becomes the company that throttles porn some isp i mean it porn is a big thing some isp is going to start up and go like hey we're the porn isp <laughs> exactly oh yeah you know what I mean? Like, well, just like uh, I've been saying again, speaking about the news this week, just like I've been saying, somewhere out there, there's a there's a bank uh, weighing the options of becoming the official porn stars bank. <laughs> did you hear about that news? No, did that happen? The, depart- the, the rumor and uh, 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 the rumor is because I don't know that anyone has verified it, but the rumor was that the Department of Justice was leaning on, uh, I think it was Chase, one of the big banks to shut down all of the accounts that they held with adult film stars. Even though the accounts were in good standing, even that the film stars were completely uh, oh, above yeah. board legal, they had their bank accounts shut Chase, down. Chase Bank made the decision to cancel hundreds of accounts belonging to porn performers. And the and the thing I keep reading is that the, the, the Department of Justice was behind it. Interestingly enough. So... It, 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 in the same way, you very much could have a bank out there weighing the options of, uh, of <laughs> and it would be yeah. a brilliant marketing campaign because there's a bank that I would visit that branch every day. <laughs> I guess, I guess the point, I guess, <laughs> Brad's just sitting in the corner reading a magazine. This is some guy that comes into the bank every day and sits and reads. A book. Oh, he's he's attractive. Oh, look at her. She's great. He's just watching every person that comes through the bank. <laughs> Ridiculous. Oh, I'd 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 be there more often than that little pen at the end of the chain. <laughs> oh my god. Uh. Yeah. I, I I mean I just think that's that's the way that our consumer industry works. A consumer. Enough consumers get riled up, and then a new product is created. It is the birth of a business, absolutely. I don't understand. I I I don't understand how that can happen. I never got to the second, and well, I did get to the second reason. Give us the, the second third reason. The trickle down to affect you as your wet the 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 so so. The idea that this is going to mean there's going to be a fast internet and a slow internet, and of course you can't afford to be on the fast internet, so you won't be able to build your business or compete, is that you are never completing, competing with Netflix anyway. And by the time you are, you'll be able to afford the fast internet, so relax. Mm-hmm. Um, you only have to compete with everybody on the slow internet. <laughs> mm. And trust me, if it gets to a point where it sucks to read web comics because you're on the slow internet, everyone will just pay an extra 10 bucks a month and their internet will be the, the fast internet. Mm-hmm. And then the slow internet bit will be at the public library. <laughs> because no one gives a shit because they pay five bucks for seven bucks for a cup of coffee at, and milk at Starbucks. That's true. It's just the way that it is, right? So people were tweeting about the recession from their phones, <laughs> their smartphones. <laughs> from their so, smartphones sitting at a Starbucks. So like, 
when people say, well, net neutrality is dead. Now, the thing that let you build your business back, it, you, no, you're right, it is. It's not the 90s anymore. Net neutrality is, is threatened. Net neutrality has been dead for a while. Yeah, but net, yeah, net neutrality died a long time ago because the internet isn't 1998 anymore. Like, remember when you used to look at porn on the internet and you had to wait for the picture to appear? And it was like, get to the tits, get to the tits. <laughs> <laughs> That's not the way it is anymore. I, How many times did my computer freeze up at the Oh, my ball? God. Made, I know. Like, it's so, beginning to drive me crazy. Like, like, I'm streaming a podcast while talking over Skype to my brother. My wife is upstairs possibly downloading um, the update for Diablo 3 while she's watching Netflix. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, and that's in the house. And it's like, well, I don't want to be on the slow internet. Fuck you. It's f- going to be fine. So that's the second reason I'm not worried about it. The third reason I'm not worried about it is a more zen philosophical one. Ooh. I like it when you get zen This doesn't happen often. I'm ready. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> an idea cannot be killed. An idea wow. cannot be destroyed. It's and guess true. what? Net neutrality will not stop you from telling your stories. And listen, all I'm saying is, here is a business that will build around it. If net neutrality were to fuck up the internet so much that it wouldn't be affordable for anyone to, like, check out webcomics anymore, then comic book business would pick up again, and you could make more money selling your comics through stores. (laughs) And everything would be just fine, because it wouldn't vent... Because if if the level playing field goes away, then everything reverts to the scarcity model, and you can make more money anyway. Like, one time I asked Ku about it. Yeah, one time I said to Ku, like, does this thing scare you? Because, you know, you ask smart people. Like, Mm -hmm. when the first time it was up, well, SOPA, PIPA shit. Mm -hmm. I was like, does it scare you? And he goes, no. I go, so much of our business depends on the web. He goes, people will always find a way to get our stuff. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely they will, and you'll be fine. No. And and I, I hate to be tough love about it, but you your webcomic was not going to succeed anyway, so don't worry about it. <laughs> well, not I mean not at that level. I mean, come on. I just it's just I mean I, I no nobody's pulling the kind of bandwidth that none, none of us, none of the regular people are pulling the kind of bandwidth that we have to worry. And and that's not to say that we shouldn't worry about this shit, but no, Robert's absolutely right, man. And it's like I said, if if the current state of the internet goes away, something will come along to replace it to make it acceptable to to the people that want it a different way. Right. And and I at the expense of maybe sounding dangerous, maybe it's a good thing. Maybe it's a good <laughs> thing that some I'll give you you know what? I'll give you a real world example. Okay. Go ahead. With cell phones cuz this is happening right now. And if you if you haven't done this yet, you should go to whoever your provider is and figure this out. So you had cell phone service, and the way cell phone service works is you go into your chosen provider, and they make you sign a two-year contract. And mm-hmm. for the two-year contract, they give you a de- they don't give you a device. They sell you a device for cheaper than normal, and then you're stuck with this provider for two years. There's nothing you can do, right? T-Mobile said, well, we don't have a lot of people, and we don't really like this contract thing. And technology is moving faster than the contracts. Like, we have people keep coming in. They want to upgrade their phone. But, uh, you know, because there's new phones already, but they're still in the middle of a two-year contract. And when we, when we say, you know, we're going to have to charge you for this, they, they would rather dump the contract or go somewhere else. Or maybe technology has changed and we offer better contracts now, but they're on a two-year whatever. So T-Mobile said, fuck it. You know what? We're gonna, you're going to lease your phone from us. Mm-hmm. There's, there is no contract. And which goes right back to the old days of Ma Bell, right? 
Right. So what they're saying is, here's your phone. Here's your new iPhone. And for, you know, here's your new iPhone that you pay us 10 bucks a month for. And for unlimited talk and text and X amount of gigabytes of data, you also get, uh, you know, here and here's the cost for that. So let's say it's 50 bucks for all of your phone stuff and $10 a month for your phone. After 12 months of leasing this phone for us, you can come in and say, hey, I want whatever the fancy new phone is. And we'll just give it to you and you'll continue the lease. Or after 18 months, you own the phone outright. It's yours. It doesn't have our shit all. It doesn't have two mobile shit all over it. It's your phone. You take it to another provider, do whatever you want. Or you just keep it with us and the leasing fee will go away and you'll just keep on paying your costs, right? This was so effective that AT&T just switched to it. Yeah, isn't that amazing? Verizon's going that way too, man. If you're with AT&T or Verizon, go to it there because they're not being super loud about it. Go to a store right now and... I, I now have, uh, on our family plan, we have four phones for my folks, Shane and myself, and it cost, and my parents are brand new phones. They've never had smartphones. Uh, Shane and I already had phones from a previous contract, so no big deal. We pay 160 bucks a month for all four phones, unlimited talk, unlimited text, and 10 gigs of mobile data. Hmm. That's a good point, because I've got an old, my, my iPhone's getting old to the extent that things are starting to run real slow on it. Sure. I, I need to switch over to that. That that would be a really good idea. But but what I'm saying is that the, the, the reason this is a real world example of this internet stuff is somebody will make the change. Some company will come along and make the change because the change needs to be made. If net neutrality mm. gets so fucked up, then, I mean, you think Google, the, the company who says do no evil, is going to throttle shit on the internet? Probably not. I mean, yeah. maybe... But let's let's face it, they're adding 36 new cities pretty soon to their, you know, Google Fiber, and they're continuing to spread and continue to expand. They're just waiting for this net neutrality stuff to go tits up, so that then they can say, "Hey, guess what? Net neutrality? Nah, we're we're the really net neutral people. Come mm-hmm. to us. We haven't made any deals with anybody. We haven't done the stuff. Or if they make a deal, it's going to be a deal that is going to benefit." the consumer because their whole corporate model is all of our cash flows from the consumers. They have the pocketbooks, mm-hmm. not these big companies. Let's make the money from them. You know, how many people use Gmail? Everybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Everybody. Do you pay anything for Gmail? I, no. I, I started, but for really dopey reasons, I got I that did Google at one point, business thing for $5 a month. I, I paid 99 bucks a year for the, the stuff until they made everything that you got it. it it all became part of the free service anyway yeah, it all became part of the free service how many companies do you know that take paid stuff and make it free if you see what i'm saying they find right. other business models for this shit so i i'm gonna stick with my original point that this net neutrality thing if it goes down it i mean may, i'm with you i just don't thing. understand how a local i don't know how an upstart ISP can get around the fact that at some point you got to connect to one of these backbones. Yeah, but I, I mean, who owns the backbone? Does Comcast own the backbones? Well, it, it used to be that a backbone was okay. It doesn't matter who owns the backbone anymore, right? Because it used to be that Yahoo or let's say Verizon or whatever sure, was sure. this the little thing, companies. and the backbone was this big giant thing, and there were a bunch of them. Now it's grown so much that these big giant backbones are now the little guy. Right. And Verizon has bought so much shit, they are practically the backbone now. Well, <laughs> right, in this day and age. So it doesn't matter whether or not I can con- connect to it, but, oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, somebody will just, it doesn't matter whether or not Someone you can will just, 
someone will because the only way to get into the house is to get into Verizon. Yeah. So they'll just make a new business. I see. There you go. Now you got it. Start now, from scratch. Thanks, cares? buddy. It <laughs> took me a second. I'll get there eventually. Well, because re- at the end of the day, what does it take? It takes, I mean, and let's pretend like we're going to start an internet business. All right. So net neutrality goes up and the three of us go, screw this. We're going to the bank. We're getting a loan. We're starting an internet. We're starting the internets, all of us, to interwebs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What do we need? First thing we probably need is a server farm, right? We need a big room full of servers, and the servers hold all the information that is the internet. So let's say we start local. All right, we're going to start Seattle only because there's a big tech community there. We're going to get you know a few hundred million dollars in loan. We're going to we're going to buy a gigantic empty building. We're going to rack it up with all kinds of security and armed guards and everything, and we're going to fill it with server banks, and it's going to be like 20 degrees inside. And uh, and the whole internet is going to get populated there. And now everyone from Seattle connects to our internet there. And we're going to be the one net neutral service provider in Seattle. We're going to run lines through the whole city. And we're going to start in Seattle, Seattle only. Our one server farm is in Seattle. Like, that's what I'm talking about. Some company will do that. They will pick one city and they will do it. Shit, Google did already. They pit, what they yeah. started in Kansas City, right? They mm-hmm. They might. No, you're right. I mean, that's... I think that's what's going to, and I think it's going to happen regardless, whether this, whether net neutrality, not whether, when, because it's the government, eventually they're going to want to put a regulation on this shit. When the net neutrality stuff is no longer net neutral because they set some rules and there's some watchdog organization or whatever, good, bad, or indifferent. It just means that like, so like, I mean, like Seattle used to have a really cool ISP called Speakeasy. They are actually a big, they used to host PVP and sponsor PVP. Uh-huh. And they were they were uh, one of the kind of um, a local ISP that started to go national. Well, at some point they sold, right? Now it's like now they're a Megapath brand or whatever. So Speakeasy is now Mega Megapath. But what you're saying is that what'll probably happen is this will start to reverse itself, right? Yeah, they'll start breaking up again. And and yeah, I'm not. I the thing that upsets me <laughs> less than this happening. Right, like, because I look at this stuff and I'm like, yeah, things are changing. They have to change because of Moore's law and everything's going nuts. And you know, Netflix is thirty percent of the internet now, and something's got to change, and it'll shake out. And it doesn't, it doesn't really concern me because, I mean, I can just choose not to pay for, you know, <laughs> my internet bill. I mean, i I don't know that I don't know that these guys can survive making the internet so unaffordable the average family can't afford internet anymore. It's almost to that as it stands. It now. is now. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, so, um, but, but, uh, so let's say that I'm paying a hundred bucks a month for my internet. Right. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. a lot. Like, like most people, let's face okay. it. Right. So, but what I'm saying is uh, there's some people that go to the library for the internet because they can't afford a hundred bucks a month. Right. There's some people that just use their phone for the internet. There's a lot of people that use their phone for the internet. Right. Okay. So either if they price it so high that um, no one can afford it, that doesn't behoove them. If they make it so slow that the people that can't afford it don't want to pay a hundred bucks a month for this shitty internet, then that doesn't behoove them. So, and if the internet is is, is ostensibly, well, I can't keep using that word. If the internet is not changing <laughs> that much, okay, then 
I don't understand why anyone is concerned. Because if the internet is not getting so expensive people can't pay for it, and the internet is not slowing down so much that it does it affects people reading your webcomic, then how does anything change? Except for the players like Netflix and stuff like that, where it needs to change anyway. I mean, I guess what the what the idea is it is that when I decide I'm going to set up a website and I go to Amazon web hosting to set up my website or DreamHost or whatever, and they say, well, and you're like, wow, why is hosting so much now? Sorry, dude, net neutrality is dead. <laughs> you know, bandwidth prices are huge now. And uh, if you want to be a part of the fast internet, it's 600 bucks a month for your hosting. And you're like, I just want to put up a Tumblr blog, you know. <laughs> Again, I just think that, that they it, it would it doesn't behoove anyone for them to change it so much that that can't happen. And I don't think again I don't think Congress or I don't think a Verizon ISP is going to say um, it would be a shame for something to happen to your Etsy store where people couldn't <laughs> reach it. <laughs> um, well, and that and you know that's that's the fear. And it's yeah it's easy for us to roll our eyes and go, oh that's not going to happen. And yeah, I, but like, that's why we talk about this. Stuff. Well, that's okay, why we're but so let me ask you a question. Right so, so let's say I'm going to make animation. All right, where am I going to post my animation to? I'm not going to put it on my local ISP. I'm not going to. If I do animation, it's going to be put on YouTube. It's going to be put on a service. It's just like our podcast. It's got to be hosted somewhere. We don't have a server f- set up in our closet that's running it, and now the ISP is going to charge us a ton of money. Right. It's going somewhere. Yeah, the content's going somewhere. So, um, if someone had to pay for a faster internet, it's going to be YouTube where you're putting your animation, <laughs> not you. See, I and this is something that I actually think is going to happen, and it's only a matter of time. It's not that people are going to be paying more for the internet; people are going to start choosing internet a la carte. So uh, as an example, what, I mean, what is the thing that the average internet user uses most of the time? All right, let's run down the list. Let's say most people probably use, uh, well, we know Netflix, 30% of people use Netflix and what, some kind of email service, right? So like choose your email, let's say Gmail. Mm -hmm. All right. So now let's say you're my mom and you only really ever use Netflix because you got a Roku box and Gmail, because you check your email. You don't really do anything else. You're not really surfing the web. You're not really, none of that stuff. All right, I'm an ISP, and I go, you want the cheapest internet possible. Here's what I'm going to do for you. You can buy Netflix for five bucks a month. You can get your you can get your email access for a dollar a month. And then for five extra dollars, I will give you X number of megs of internet access. And then And now your bill is, you know, 12, 15 bucks. And that's what you pay a month for internet. Yeah. I mean, I think that's probably where we're going to end up way before we have net neutrality issues. And anyone who rolls their eyes at me right now, go go to Australia <laughs> and look at how they do the internet. And and it's basically what I just described. Mm-hmm. So well, it's, it's true. Yeah. Well, what really just what pisses me off is when I see people on on Twitter being like, "Net neutrality is going to die, and we need to do something about it." And guys, I'm so concerned and it's like, "Shut up. We know you're just you we get it. You're you care and now everyone loves you more because you care it's funny i i actually think that maybe what you're suffering from scott is is like uh 
where the where you're getting too I can't think of the term, but where you're getting too much of something, like you're just getting bombarded with it. And uh, the what we call it in marketing is the message versus the noise. So there's so much noise, particularly because guys like us spend a lot of time on Twitter. There's so much noise on Twitter that the message is getting lost. I think that that happened with with the Comixology Apple thing. Mm-hmm. There was so much noise, and people were just saying just ridiculous. Uh, ill-informed and doing no research whatsoever. Please think before you link. Please, please, please. <laughs> it's well, not... you're, you're fighting a losing there, man. All I you know, gotta do is look at Facebook on. and see that people have no idea what they're linking to. They're so... linking to shit that's made up. So frustrating. But like, you know, do your research. Don't get me started about Heidi McDonald. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Heidi's a nice person, but I, her reporting drives me fucking nuts. No, <laughs> saving that for another week. Surviving Creativity is brought to you by listeners like you. If you like what you heard, head on over to patreon.com forward slash surviving creativity and please consider becoming a patron. Special thanks this week to one of our patrons. It's John Duffy. Thank you so much, John. We always know when the going gets tough, we can call on Duff. E, John, John Duffy. Ah, we'll get a better one next week. Thanks so much for joining us. It's been another episode of Surviving Creativity. <laughs>